listening to the CIPD podcast series. So, what have you been doing since I last spoke to you? What about the jobs that you've applied for since I last saw you? Of the, th- the three that we looked at, yeah. uh, one of them, the deadline's for tomorrow. Okay. So, I haven't heard back from them. One of them finished ages ago. I think I haven't heard back from them. Either. Either. But yeah. The one that you've not heard back, you haven't heard anything at all. Mm. How, how do you feel about um, giving them a call or contacting them? I don't like doing that. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's why I asked you. <laughs> John Linden is a 23-year-old job seeker with a degree in English literature. He's one of the 1.1 million young people now classed as NEETs, not in education, employment or training. He wants a job in publishing, but he's having trouble finding work and he's signed up to take part in a pilot mentoring scheme in Coventry, run by the CIPD and Job Centre Plus. The pilot mentoring is open to all CIPD members and so far people from across a range of private, public and not-for-profit organisations have volunteered as mentors. John is at the tail end of a five-week course with his mentor, Karen Warren, who's HR Director at Warwickshire County Council. If we can't get a job in publishing first off, perhaps some volunteering or somebody that you knew that might be able to help. We talked about last week my mum's friend who she does her own editing she works she has her own company we've just started that in fact I've, this afternoon later i'm meeting up with her and excellent she's gonna teach me how to track people's uh drafts it's a 10-month scheme that if successful could be rolled out to other parts of the country stephanie bird director of hr capability at the cipd explained why the cipd started the initiative It's been part of what was a call to action, if you like, for the profession. So don't just stand there running a commentary on the sidelines. Put some skin in the game and get involved and do something. And I think it's a challenge to the profession to actually bring the skills that they have in making a difference to um, helping people look again at their skills and their capabilities, how they present themselves, how they get into the world of work. So actually making a difference. But I think for us as well, it was that thing about changing perceptions of HR people themselves and enabling them to think differently about the the people who they could bring into their organisations. So looking again with fresh eyes. And by all counts, it's been a real success. Julie Lindsay is the District Operations Manager for Coventry and Warwickshire Job Centre Plus, and she's been overseeing the pilot scheme. It's been going absolutely brilliantly. We're really pleased with it. With my role, I actually visit my offices every month. I spend a day with the staff just walking around, asking what's been going on. And without exception, the personal advisors um, have all given me really positive feedback about this pilot. They say that the customers are really getting a lot from it. Graduate seems to be particularly mentioned, um, that graduates that come out of university are getting a lot of um, realistic help from their mentors. So this is great. I mean, I'm assuming it's the combination of practising HRs who have their employer hat on as well. So it's not just theory. They're real people who do real hiring and firing and they're they're telling it like it is. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yes. And that's what they need, really. I mean, you know, obviously our personal advisors are there for help and advice as well. But I think the real bonus in HR, people being involved, it's how it is in the real world. It's a reality check for people. Some of the customers, they might have um, some skills, they might have a, a qualification, but they actually haven't got any practical experience of what it's like in the world of work, what they need to do to find work. I think that's where the real bonus is coming from. John came across the scheme as he was signing on at his local JCP in Nuneaton. So what had you been doing before then? 
Uh, I was uh, finished university. I was a recent graduate. Okay, so you've never had a paid job, full-time job? Not a full-time one, no. Okay. So Job Centre Plus suggested you get involved. You met with Karen. What did you say to him, Karen, when you first met him? I said to him, what have you been doing? And what is it you want to... What is it you want to achieve? Why do you want to get a job? Because one of the things I tend to do is find out what the drivers are. And what were the drivers for you? Obviously, you want a job, but, you know, what's in your mind? What sort of job did you have in your mind? Uh, Obviously, I wanted to use my degree for something, and I wanted, specifically, I wanted to go into publishing with it. But it's very difficult to go straight into publishing after just finishing a degree without really having any experience, background experience. So I suppose we kind of discussed ways of getting into it, I think, really. So what sort of skills then was Karen able to help you with? Uh, The big thing for me was um, the CV, particularly tailoring CVs to specific jobs. You know, he's a little bit shy, I think, and he doesn't like talk... Many people, he doesn't like talking about himself. That's quite understandable. We did a mock interview and he did very well. But... He's smiling because it took a couple of sessions for me to say, I'm going to do that interview. We're going to do that interview, aren't we? We really are going to do it. (laughs) This mentoring scheme fits into a broader package of measures laid out by the government. Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg recently announced that they were directing £126 million to get 55,000 NEETs into work. This is all part of the overall Welfare to Work initiative to help nearly 2.5 million unemployed people to find jobs. Stephanie Bird. I think what they're trying to achieve was real practical ways to help people who are the hardest to reach in unemployment and give them a pathway into the world of work and have a situation where they'd always be better off in work than actually on the benefit system. So I think those two things actually go together. So you've got the incentivisation but also the practical help to take people um, who probably haven't been in the world of work for quite some time and don't actually think of themselves as being employed in the workforce and give them tools to um, get them back into the workplace. Yes, because obviously young unemployed people are very much in the news at the moment, but it's not just about them. No, it's not. I mean, young, young people, the, the lost generation, I think, as most people are actually referring it to us, are, do have a very high profile. But there are a lot of people who haven't been in work for a long time or who came out of work at a stage in their careers, and they also need help back into the workplace. People who have maybe some form of disability, who've um, worked in industries where the, the jobs are no longer as... as um, as available and therefore they need to reskill, retrain into other areas of work. So I think there are a whole variety of people who find, for whatever reason, their pathway into work is not clear and who can lose hope about their ability to get back into the world of work and contribute again to society and earn a wage. And as I understand it, the focus is very much in getting people not just into jobs, but getting into jobs where they will remain. And that's where the incentivisation for the providers actually comes in as well. <clears throat> so they only get paid if, if people do actually get into jobs. So it is outcome-focused, not just input-focused in that sense. But also it's about people staying in jobs and staying in jobs for long enough um, to actually attract those sorts of benefits. So you can't do a quick fix, you're in it, you're weak, but then you're back on benefits again. So there is real incentive for both the individuals and the providers to make sure the jobs are, are sustainable, that organisations actually work on sustainable jobs and the organisations, it's not just a quick fix. But for young people like John, there is a raft of opportunities, which is great news. JCP's Julie Lindsay. 
Clearly, the government has a real focus now on young people. And, you know, we're, we are about to launch in April a youth offer, a youth contract. Uh, obviously, we've been working with these customers for some time and we have got lots of options and opportunities for them already. But uh, we're now planning and preparing for a real youth offer for them. And that will, you know, that will mean an increased uh, number of apprenticeship places. It will mean sector-based work academy where we're working really in partnership with employers um, to give some of these customers some training before, you know, get a guaranteed job interview. Uh, where we've started that on a small scale already, there's been some real value. The employers are actually employing those customers once they've had some sort of pre, pre-training. So I think um, we will see, you know, we've seen from the government a real will to put more opportunities in place and we're already seeing some um, success from that and it will only increase with the youth offer from April. For the last seven years, Marks & Spencer has been helping hard-to-reach groups of all ages get back to work. Tanith Dodge, their HR director, heads up the programme, which has helped an impressive 5,000 people so far. Back in 2004, M&S decided to open our doors and we launched a programme called Marks & Start, which supports people who face real barriers in getting into work and we help them take the first step into employment. Marks and Start is now the biggest company-led work experience programme in the UK and Ireland. How many people are we talking about? We take approximately 700 people each year, providing them work experience placements in our stores and offices throughout the UK. What sort of people? These are individuals who, for a number of reasons, face real barriers in returning to work. It could be that they're homeless, it could be that they're young people that have never worked and have only experienced unemployment and benefits, or it could be um, individuals who are single-parent mothers and have faced barriers in childcare and returning to work, and it could be individuals who have disabilities. So if you have a candidate who has been homeless, what do you do for them? Well, we work with um, a number of different charities, the Prince's Trust, Gingerbread and Reemploy. In the area of homelessness, we work with business action on the homelessness. So there would be a programme where they would be given support and help in opening a bank account, getting ready to work, etc. And then uh, they would have some training and then they would join us for a work experience placement in one of our stores or offices. Okay, so the charities essentially get them work ready. Yes. And then they come to you and you give them specific job-related training. Exactly. Yeah, that's how it works. These candidates get roles as customer assistants on the shop floor or even in head office in admin or shared services. But there are challenges when it comes to employing people from these groups – not just practical ones, but psychological issues too. They lack confidence, they've really struggled. Sometimes they've been turned down many times when they've tried to get work and therefore have got low self-esteem. And the programme helps them develop confidence, basic work skills, and then they come for a placement with m I'm guessing that some of these people have really what people who've worked regularly wouldn't think of. Really fundamental problems like what to wear, how to organise their finances when they're actually in work. Do you do you help them with that sort of thing? Too? Yes, indeed. And for example, if you're homeless, the chances are that you haven't got a bank account and therefore just having your wages paid into an account can be so overwhelming for individuals. So we help them with what to wear, 
managing finances, building their confidence, etc. Retaining these people is Marks and Spencer's top priority and to encourage this, they've set up their own mentor scheme of sorts. They call it a buddy system and it involves introducing each new candidate to an existing member of staff who's there to offer support and advice. There are very few people who on their first day, when they turn up for work, don't find the experience quite overwhelming. So if you can imagine you haven't worked for many years, that whole experience on your first day and thereon is uh, extremely challenging. So we assign each individual with a buddy who has been trained in how to support them, to be there as, as as a coach, as an advisor to help them with their confidence etc and one of the great benefits of the buddy relationship is for those individuals they find it hugely developmental and extremely rewarding playing that role you're listening to the cipd podcast series I think when people start mentoring, they think, oh, well, yes, it's all one way, so you have to see what we do. and um, Philanthropy. Philanthropy and that sort of thing. But um, whenever you talk to people who've done the mentoring, and I think that's true whether we're talking about this sort of mentoring, we're actually mentoring in organisations where, um, you know, leaders or managers will mentor other people more junior in the organisation. The thing that comes through always most strongly is how much they get out of it. And I think it is really looking at life through somebody else's eyes and reappraising again, I think, your own, your skills, your attitudes, your own behaviours. I think it causes you to examine yourself as well as actually giving um, mentoring advice to others so I think they find um, mentors find that they themselves have professional and personal development through engagement in mentoring it's not without its pitfalls I think I have to say on on, uh, on um, both sort of um, the, the scheme we've actually got in Coventry and Warwickshire or more generally in mentoring but I think that it is very much a two-way process learning on mm. both sides both sides Stephanie Bird. The mentors at the CIPD's Coventry scheme are all finding they're getting more out of it than they bargained for. John Stacey has had years of experience as Group HR Director for various organisations. Nearing retirement, he found he had more time on his hands and decided to share his wisdom through mentoring. One mentee in particular tested his skills. She had been trying to get a job since last summer and she'd done a very specialist degree course. But um, the problem she was facing was how did she explain to employers about this degree course she'd taken? What do you get out of a science degree? You become very... I mean, you work very hard, because even though it, were, even though it was forensic science, it was still a prime science, so it was as, as demanding as physics or chemistry or engineering. Um, and to look at what you, she achieved in that and she demonstrated analytical skills, she demonstrated problem solving, she, de- she demonstrated that she had uh, <clears throat> an ability to take in a lot of detail. So we basically turned her CV into a skill set and she then sent the CV out um, and landed two, two positions. So this is a fantastic <coughs> outcome, isn't it? So it was for her, yeah. <coughs> I was quite pleased with that. Have you learned from your mentees? I think what I've learned is that uh, it can make a difference. It's almost reversing that round, actually. So, yes, I've learned from them that you can make a difference. They start off being a bit sceptical because they've had all this help from you know, other people before, and all of a sudden somebody comes along from the CIPD saying, yeah, we can help you even more. And they're a bit sceptical, and then you actually learn from them that um, you've got something you can, you can give to them. It's about high-caliber assistance, though, isn't it? It's about you know, well-qualified, experienced people really bringing a very finely tuned focus to each individual. It is focused experience, yeah. It's focusing that experience to, to help them. Not only do mentors and mentees benefit, 
But when it's company-wide, organisations can see unexpected gains too. Here's Tanith Dodge. The stores where we have a number of work experience placements on Marks and Start, they, the employees are so engaged in this programme and they're really proud to work for a company that takes responsibility and cares about these individuals and wants to make a difference for them. So this plays into engagement right across people who aren't it involved does. in the scheme? It does, really does. But engagement isn't all. There are other business benefits too. Obviously it's a valuable recruitment tool for us and you don't have recruitment fees incurred. But more importantly, we found these individuals are so committed to the organisation. They really believe that they've been given a second chance in life and they're extremely appreciative of that and therefore incredibly loyal. So we find their absenteeism is some of the lowest that we see in the business. Turnover's very low. They're hugely enthusiastic, hugely dedicated um, because they're very grateful they've been given another chance. And great advocates for work at M&S. Absolutely, yeah. After six months, about 40% of people who've been on the programme are in meaningful employment either with M&S or another organisation. This plays into the government's welfare-to-work strategy, so it's saving money all round. Let's put it into context. Based on government figures that show helping just one person move from benefits into the workplace saves around £8,100. Marks and Start has helped save the country over £16 million in the last seven years. So this is a, an array of benefits, isn't it? Financial hard business benefits. You're saving on recruitment, you're getting better attention, lower absenteeism. It's working, it's saving you know, the public purse benefits. Any downsides? No, I don't think so. Not at all. Why do you think more organisations don't do this? I think many organisations don't appreciate that there's real benefits, so they see it as a burden, not a benefit. And I think organisations who do want to do something just don't know where to start. So people see it as a charitable exercise, which would be a lot of work and maybe yes. not a lot of return yes. to them. I think that's... Uh, but that's not been your experience at, at all, all has it? As no, a, with a business head on. And our charity partners are, are great. We couldn't do it without our charity partners. According to Stephanie Bird, it's a real opportunity for the profession to make a difference. Many businesses are still struggling for skills and they do need to look in multiple talent pools for the skills they need to um, sustain their businesses. But I think we can get quite lazy or organisations can get quite lazy and still look in the same old, same old places rather than actually look much more widely. Um, HR often also gatekeepers, I think, into organisations and the roles in organisations. And unless HR sort of take it on, become more innovative in where they're looking for the skills their organisations need, then, then they really don't benefit. So I think it's getting involved in this. It's a way to do something that has both a business but also, if you like, a, a moral benefit. Um, so benefit to society as well as benefit to the business. And often actually to the individuals themselves, because I know that people that have got involved with this, it challenges their own assumptions about what the unemployed are like, and it takes away some of the, the too ready stereotypes, I think, that people use. You know, They don't have the skills, they don't have the attitude, they don't have motivation. Um, and whilst that may sometimes be true, um, there are a lot of people who do actively want to get back into the world of work, just they don't know how. Marks and Spencer holds an inspirational annual award ceremony giving prizes to the individuals who've achieved the most. We had one individual who had been homeless for many, many months. They were at a very, very low stage in their life, had lost all confidence, all self-esteem, just walked the streets day and night 
and they went to business action on the homelessness and then they came to us for a work experience and that individual then a few years later had really progressed in their career and still with us yes it's a good feeling yes meanwhile john is looking forward to getting a job i mean at the moment i'm still out of work but i th- i think it's it's handy to just pick up ideas and different things you can be looking into and and it's good to get encouragement as well. That's a big thing. What about you, Karen? What did you get out of it? I mean, like, you know, it, the, obviously this is about helping John, but I'm imagining it was interesting and rewarding for you too. It, it is because um, I think like many in the profession that I do, we have a strong wanting to help and make things right, a real kind of fix-it approach. Do you think John is better placed to get a job now than he was five oh, years absolutely. ago? absolutely. That's it for this week. Clearly, HR is in a really strong position to help more people get into work. So check out the show notes for information, ideas and guidance on developing apprenticeships, work experience placements and more. You'll find it all at cipd.co.uk slash podcasts. We'll also be looking further into coaching and mentoring at the annual learning and development event, HRD, which will be held on April 25th and 26th at London's Olympia. Next month, we'll be hosting a discussion about the new face of corporate responsibility with HR experts from Aviva, IBM and Three-Legged Stool. Join me then. You've been listening to the CIPD podcast series.